We are working our way through Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5, verses, uh, chapters, chapter 5 through chapter 7. And his words have been challenging. And today, we find that they are going to be even more challenging. For today, Jesus commands his followers to love our enemies. And you think about the enemies that you may have experienced in your life, or maybe that you're experiencing now, or just the idea. Hopefully, maybe you don't have anyone that you would consider to be your enemy. But just imagine what that would mean to have to love one who is defined as your enemy, a person who is actively opposed or hostile to you. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 43 and 44, it says, You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Throughout his famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shows that he is the fulfillment of the law. In fact, he specifically said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, I did not come to abolish the law. No, I came to accomplish its purpose. And so in Jesus, we see the fulfillment of what God was intending with the law. Jesus was living it out. The Old Testament is quite clear that we are to love our neighbors. Jesus was asked once what was the greatest commandment. And of course, he said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he said, the second greatest commandment is like it, it is to love your neighbor as yourself. He wasn't making that up. He was quoting from the Old Testament law of Moses. In Leviticus 19, 18, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting, though, that um, you'll notice in the scripture on the screen, it says, you have heard the law that says, and it's in quotations, love your neighbor. The second part is not in quotations, and hate your neighbor. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Hate your enemy is not in quotations. Because nowhere in the Old Testament does it actually say, hate your enemy. It does say, love your neighbor, but it doesn't say anywhere, hate your enemy. However, the Jews of Jesus' day misinterpreted the law to say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. They added that last part in. They had a lot of enemies. They lived as a persecuted people, oppressed by the Romans who occupied their land. And their religious leaders said, it's okay to hate your enemy, but love your neighbor. Jesus says something different. Because it's in human nature to love people who are good to us. And to hate those who are not good to us. To hate our enemies. But God's holy law in the Old Testament holds human nature in check. In Exodus 23 verses 4 and 5, here's what it says. If your enemy's ox or donkey has strayed away, take it back to its owner. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you has collapsed under its load, do not walk by. Instead... Stop 
and help. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 21, it says, If your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they are thirsty, give them water to drink. So we see that Jesus is upholding both the letter and the spirit of God's law in the Old Testament while challenging the Jewish religious leaders' misinterpretation of it. Notice how the Old Testament teaches to do good to your enemies. And the emphasis is on doing good rather than our feelings. We don't always feel good feelings about people who we would consider our enemies. But that doesn't mean that we can't love them. The Bible tells us we should love them by doing good. But going on in the scripture from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 through 45. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Now, if we're honest, it can be troubling to think of that God gives sunlight and rain to both the good and the evil. In other words, God gives the same good things to evil people that he gives to good people. Why, if God were fair, why wouldn't he reserve good things for good people and give wicked people only the evil that they deserve? Perhaps that's the kind of world you want to live in. That's the world that you long for. A world where evil people are punished and good people get rewards. Is that what you want? I can understand that. Seems fair. However, the problem is, we would all be punished. And none of us would get a reward because none of us is good. We have all acted like enemies of God. Listen to what Romans chapter 3 verses 10 through 12 says. No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. And Romans 3:23 sums it up. For everyone has sinned and, fall, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. What that means is that every one of us, by God's glorious standard, is evil. We have all been enemies of God who actively oppose or are hostile to God and His plans. Rather than obeying God, we chased our own selfish ambitions. Rather than surrendering to God's will, we wanted to do things our way. In our sinful pride, we boasted, God is on our side. But in fact, we were trying to use God for our own selfish purposes. 
to fulfill our own desires. If God truly punished his enemies and only gave good to those who deserved it, every one of us would be living in hell and there would be no one left for God to reward. No one except Jesus Christ. But as it is, in his mercy, in his patience and long-suffering, God has given his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. And I'm thankful for that. I hope you will be too. Going on in Matthew chapter 5, verses 46 through 47, Jesus said, If you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. Jesus calls his disciples to be different than worldly people. If you only ever love people who love you and are good to you, then you are no better than a worldly pagan. A pagan in biblical terms is a heathen, an ungodly person, anyone who doesn't worship the one true living God that we read of in the Bible. If you only love people who love you and are good to you, then you're no different than an ungodly, immoral, corrupt enemy of God, the kind of people that are all over the world. But Jesus wants us to be different. Jesus wants us to be like him. Jesus wants us to love our enemies. Now, it's important to clear up right here what we mean about when we say love. What kind of love are we talking about? According to Jesus, it's different than what you might think. We often have a misconception about love. We often have an immature view about love. Biblical love is not a warm, fuzzy feeling of affection. Jesus isn't telling us to find pleasure in our enemies or their bad bad behavior. The love Jesus commands us to give is a specific kind of love. The Greek word Jesus uses is agape. Agape, which is the sacrificial love of God. Agape is not a feeling, it is a verb. In other words, it's a love you give. Agape is to love someone sacrificially, expecting nothing in return. It's the way God loved us when he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us. Not because we deserved it, not because it felt good, but because God knew we desperately needed it, and God loved us sacrificially. Agape love is what Jesus did when he allowed his hands and feet to be nailed to the cross because he knew his death would make our salvation possible. So when Jesus says, love your enemies, he isn't telling you to have warm, fuzzy feelings about them. Jesus wants his followers to love their enemies sacrificially, expecting nothing 
in return. It's nearly impossible to love people like this. But Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of God's law. Jesus loved perfectly. He even loved his enemies. Even when they twisted God's words for their own evil schemes. Even when they told lies about Jesus and his disciples. Even when they spat curses at him. When they beat him and whipped him and smashed a crown of thorns upon his head. Even when they cruelly drove nails through his hands and feet and displayed him on a cross to die while all his enemies watched and gloated. Rather than cursing them or seeking to get revenge, he prayed, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. His prayer wasn't just for those people who were standing around the cross with him. He was praying for you and for me. Remember, in one way or another, we've all been enemies of God. Every time we were dishonest, every time we spoke a hateful word, Every time we were angry, or we lusted in our heart, or we were unfaithful, or we sinned in any way, we were responsible for the nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was our sin that put him there. But rather than seeking revenge or punishment, Jesus loved his enemies. He loved us. He perfectly represents the will of his Father in heaven. And he challenges us to do the same. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. We were created in the image of God. We are to follow in the footsteps of Christ to represent God just as Jesus represented him. Just as Christ loved us, we are to love everyone, even our enemies. We are to be perfect, even as our Father in heaven is perfect. How can we possibly be perfect? No one is perfect. That's true. Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But all things are possible with God. One of the distinctive teachings of Methodism, we are in a Methodist church, is our belief in Christian perfection. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, taught that Christians should strive For Christian perfection, to be perfect in love. And Wesley taught that Christians, with the help of the Holy Spirit, can grow over the course of a lifetime to a place where we love with the perfect love of God. We believe that Christians cannot make the excuse 
Oh, we're only human. We're not perfect. Too many Christians living in the world today who constantly want to use the excuse, oh, we're only human. We can't be perfect. It's true that we will make many mistakes in our life. Even after we decide to follow Jesus, because indeed, we are only human. But there is one way that we could hope to be perfect. With the help of God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can help us to grow to a place where everything we do is motivated by love. So that even if we make mistakes, we do it out of love. And so with God's help, if we cooperate, we can be perfect in love. Even as our Father in heaven is perfect. We cannot do that on our own. We need God's help to do that. But God will help us do that. If we seek Him with all our heart. You must surrender to God through Jesus Christ. You must recognize that you cannot do this on your own. You must recognize that you have rebelled against God and you have to turn away from that. You can't save yourself. You are helpless. Only God can save you. And you must repent. Turn away from your evil and your rebellion. And you must beg God for mercy. God sent Jesus Christ to save you. But you have to trust Him to do it. You have to trust Him to save you. And you have to decide that you're going to let Jesus be the Lord of your life. He is going to be the one that's in charge. No longer is it going to be me who is choosing the direction of my life and what I want to do and what I want to say. No, I am not in charge. The Lord Jesus Christ is in charge. So you must surrender to God through Jesus Christ, and then you must follow Christ as a disciple. Which means, Jesus said, if you, anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Taking up a cross. That's more than wearing a necklace with a cross on it around your neck. It's more than a cross that's on the altar in the church. What is a cross? Well, for Jesus, it was a place of pain and suffering and death. Where he gave up his rights for the sake of those who needed his love. And he calls his disciples to take up their cross every day and follow him. We must deny ourselves. And we must cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Every person who follows Christ as Lord is given a tremendous gift from God. The Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that hovered over the waters at the creation of the universe, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same Spirit that enabled the disciples to heal the blind and the sick, that same Holy Spirit 
is available to come and live inside the hearts of every person who follows Christ. And that same Spirit can enable you to do an amazing, amazing things. But it's what the Spirit wants you to do, not what you want to do. We have to cooperate with what the Spirit wants us to do. And we must love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. And we must love our neighbor as ourself. And Jesus said, you must even love your enemies. Not with a warm, fuzzy, sentimental feeling. Love is what you do. Seeking the best for others. Without expecting anything in return. I want to invite you today to commit to follow Christ as your Lord. Or to recommit to follow Christ as your Lord. To surrender to God through Jesus Christ. And to follow Christ as a disciple. Let us pause for a moment of prayer. Each one of us individually, right where you are, where you can consider this. Pray to the Lord and respond to what He has said to you today. I am so thankful for your mercy that you loved me even when I was your enemy. Oh Lord, many of us here thought that we weren't your enemies, that we were your friends. We thought we could be friends of the Lord of the universe who has absolute authority and claim on our life. And we thought we could just be friends and do whatever we wanted and pay lip service to your Lordship. But today, O Lord, we are reminded that Lord means that you are absolutely sovereign. Some of us here today, Lord, are still struggling with this and we still haven't decided that we want to give it completely to you. We want to continue to try to hold on to parts of our lives. Forgive us, O Lord. And I'm so thankful that in your mercy and your patience, you still let the sun shine on the good and the evil. Father, I pray that your spirit would convict each one of us here today. That we would give it over to you completely. That we would receive the salvation that comes to those who claim Christ as Lord. Who recognize that we are saved not by the good things we think we've done. But completely and solely by the mercy of Christ. And his atoning death on the cross. Help us, O Lord to follow Him from this day forward, to love You with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind, to love our neighbors ourselves, and even to love our enemies. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.